This morning, I um, had the privilege of going back to 1 Peter. Um, I, I, this is a book that maybe, or this is something that could be said maybe about a lot of the New Testament books, but I believe 1 Peter is one of those books that the church absolutely needs. Like, foundationally for, for what is going on, for what is going on in our lives personally and what we see in the world. What we face as Christians on a daily basis with, um, whether it be persecution or suffering, the church needs to know that this is not uh, something unordinary to suffer. This is, this is what he has told us before, that this will happen. You will suffer if you follow me. And he even gives us the example of him suffering. And what we see throughout not just the, 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 the Bible, the New Testament, but throughout history, we see in the midst of the greatest suffering, God does the greatest things. The most triumphal things that we've ever seen as believers has come through suffering. Namely, Jesus suffering and dying for us. And so 1 Peter really kind of presses into that reality. And so we're going to be back in it. In 1 Peter, if you want to start turning there, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I forgot to fix my iPad, so I'm just going to take a second to make sure it doesn't turn off on me. Okay, got it. First sheep, uh, Peter, uh, Peter chapter 4, and we're going we're gonna to do the first five verses, and then we're just going to walk through it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day that we gather together as a church to worship you. In fact, <laughs> I'd have been good to just continue worshiping. I'd have been good. But God, I, I, you have ordained for me to be here to preach your word, and so I want to walk in obedience and, and, and just be here to, to read your word, to communicate truth from your word. And I'm asking that your spirit would, would work in and through me that we would continue to worship. That worship would not stop when the music stops, but we would worship, continue to surrender our lives, continue to say it is well, continue to say Christ alone, continue to, to call upon you to work in our lives, to mold and shape us to point us to you, God. God. We can do nothing without your spirit. We can do nothing without you intervening in our lives right now. We can't see the realities of your word without your spirit opening our eyes. And so we call upon you to do that right now. We thank you in advance for that. Meet us. Meet us where we are. Meet us 
in our grief right now. Meet us in our personal situations in every home. So every seat in this auditorium, would you meet us right there in our seat? That we would be changed. That we would be more surrendered, more committed, more surrendered to you, God. I can't do that work, so I'm asking that you, by your spirit, would do that work. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I was uh, scrolling through Instagram and I saw this uh, crazy um, video of a crab that was in uh, boiling water. And he was eating corn while he was in that water. And I thought to myself, that is so crazy. Does he not know what's going on around him? Does he not know that he's in something that's going to eventually kill him? He's just eating. And you can just see him just eating. And, and that image just stuck in my head when I, when I watched that. And, I, and so in preparing for this, I, I, I was thinking through how we do that with sin sometimes. It's, it's all around us, and we're just kind of comfortably in it sitting in it, and we're just chilling, eating, not understanding that, that that sin that God has called us away from and out of is killing us, is, is, is moving us further away from our relationship with Christ. It's, 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 it's taking the primary thing that, that has called us to or, or, or pointed us toward purpose and joy it's taking that away from us because we can't see what's happening around us because we're in sin. Um, I've said this to my kids. I've said this to other people. Sin kind of just makes you dumb. It just makes you dumb. You just like, you don't, you're not even thinking right. Romans run, 1, if you, if you read Romans 1, they, they're just, they're clueless about what is happening because they're callous to, to their sin. And so I, I would like, in, in, in these couple verses, to, to know, uh, to, to reopen our eyes to, to the things that maybe we're kind of just sitting in, and, and we're just like, oh, it's fine. Nobody's getting hurt. But this is what he's called us out of. This is what he saved us from and given us freedom in Christ. So I'm going to read the first five verses. 1 Peter 4, if you're following along in your Bibles or on your phones. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding. Because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles chose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. Verse 5. They will give an account 
to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, he's done this several times in 1 Peter. If, you, if you've been here and you've read 1 Peter, he's done this several times. That he, his encouragement to suffering believers, let's say you're suffering, his encouragement is to point them to Jesus. His encouragement to say, you're not the only one who has suffered. Jesus, your example, has suffered before you. In fact, your greatest triumph is, was because of Christ's suffering. And so our desire, our desire is not to, to um, run away from suffering. First Peter is, is telling us, hey, in the midst of suffering, I'm calling you to live holy and righteous lives. I'm, I'm asking you to live such holy and righteous lives that Somebody, some unbeliever will come up to you and say, why do you have such hope in the midst of this? Like, this is strange. This is strange. Why in, this, in, 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 in the midst of, of me um, um, cr- treating you cruel, not treating you fairly, do you still walk in godliness and kindness and compassion and truth? He says, be ready. First Peter tells us, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have within you. In that moment that that person comes and calls you weird, give a reason for why you're so weird. Why you're so strange. The Bible calls us a particular, peculiar people. A people belonging to God. So, he's calling us to continue to walk in righteousness. He tells them that it is something that you've been called to. You have been called to suffer. You have been called to suffer and show who I am in the midst of it. I, in this, we, we, we see the reality of sin. And he says that once you were a part of this lifestyle where you were just following what you thought your flesh wanted and needed, whether you became a Christian last week or 20 years ago, he's saying that is enough to now to seek to honor God. I was thinking about how, like, what is it that a person in their last days would want to tell somebody maybe who's healthy and strong, like us maybe, who, who's walking around here with, with no worries? What, what is it they would tell us? I believe in their last days, they would tell us that we should repent and be saved. Repent from what? Repent from our sins. I don't think they would be, be, be necessarily telling us, hey, you need to work more. You need to, um, you need to make more money. I think in those moments, that reality comes to them, and they say, you need to be repent and be saved. And then I thought, 
I had that thought first, and then I thought about the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where the rich man lived his life free of worry, and Lazarus, a poor man, um, was, was poor and, and ate from the scraps from people's tables. But when they died, the rich man, not knowing God, was in torment. And his thought was, if I could just get a, just a drop of water to quench this pain, this separation from God, this separation from, from, from uh, my creator. And when, when, when God says, no, there's a chasm that you can't, you know what he said? He said, well, at least let me go and tell my friends. At least let me go tell. I got five brothers. Let me go tell them. Guys, I believe that this is the reality of someone who, who is, uh, whose eyes are open to their eternity, either with hell or heaven. This is what they would tell us. Repent. Repent. Do not walk in sin. Do not walk in um, unholiness. So where does Jesus come in? Matthew 1.21. I caught this. Uh, a couple weeks ago when I read this, and I, I, you've read this a thousand times, but I really think it just kind of like opens our eyes like, oh, that's the reason Jesus came. Matthew 1, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Not saving it. He, 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 does, he does save us from maybe a cruel boss at times, or he may save us from death at times. Maybe we even have stories of that. But he came to save us from our sins. He may save us maybe from poverty. He, he, he may even save us from a, a bad relationship. But ultimately, he has come to save us from our sins. says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, he's saying, since he's done it, we should do it. We should take the example. First Peter 2, 21 says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding. Arm ourselves. Sounds like we're, we're going out for battle. What does that look like, guys? To arm yourself with the mindset of Christ. What was his mindset? That I am going to do the Father's will no matter what it costs. He said, arm yourself with that mindset each day, each morning. Each opportunity you can to arm yourself, to prepare yourself for battle with the mindset that it is it is. Only death will keep me from disobedience. I'm going to walk in obedience to God no matter what. He's saying that if you're going to walk in, um, in holiness and righteousness, we're going to have to put our minds, as Christ had his mind, to suffer. Because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. 
Verse 2, it says, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for the human desires, but for God's will. Arm ourselves. Arm ourselves with a suffering attitude. Not that we desire to suffer, but suffering is not going to keep us from God's will and wanting to honor God with our lives. What if we fought sin, not with just grit and determination, not with distracting ourselves by working out or, 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 or self-denial. What if we didn't fight our sins like that with, with these gimmicks, but we fought sin by putting on the mind of Christ, putting on his attitude, his, his mindset when he saw suffering. A mindset that says Christ suffered, so will I, and I will commit to do his will. That is something that we put on every day. That is something that we, we wake up at 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and we get along with God and we open up the text and we say, I surrender to whatever your will is, God. I set my mind not only to suffer but to die, to do what you have called me to do. That is a mindset that we can't put on at the beginning of the week and think is going to put, uh, carry us through the week. It is a mindset that we got to put on daily. Practical. How do you live this out? Do it. Do I begin each day with surrender? I love that song. Have I taken up my cross? How I died before my, um, have I died before my first conversation with my wife? Have I died before my first altercation with my coworker? Have I surrendered to doing his will no matter what before my first encounter in, tra in bad traffic? Have I committed to surrendering to do his will before life that day starts to throw its shots at you? Have you, have, you ha have you committed to that mind? No matter what comes my way, I will surrender to you. I will do your will. That is the mindset that will, will keep us from walking into temptation. That is the mindset that is going to keep us from walking into sin. That so easily entangles us and keeps us from seeing him and knowing him and honoring him. Teenagers, have you armed yourself with the perspective of suffering, teenagers? Is your mindset suffering or is it comfort no matter what? Is it Jesus be glorified and come what may? A mindset of suffering will lead you to saying no to sin and yes to God's ways. A life lived to avoid suffering will lead you to obeying flesh. Oh, that's discomfort. Man, I, I don't want anybody to think bad about me. I'm going to go ahead and do it my way. Because if I do it this way, this is going to be uncomfortable and people will look down at me. I won't have as many friends. Teenagers, the only way to walk in obedience to God, you have to set your mind on the reality that I am to please God and God first. 
if we have not armed ourselves with a suffering mindset as Jesus did, we will live lives to gratify our flesh, our human desires. Verse three, for there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles chose to do. <laughs> Carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. All of these things are just uncontrolled behaviors, meaning there's, there's no rhyme or reason to them. They just go wherever the feeling goes, wherever the, 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 the way of the world is going, whatever is trending. This is, this is the type of living that he's talking about. Unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, no control, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry, whatever is the God of the day, that's the one I'm going to worship. Whatever looks good today, debauchery, the, the definition, excessive indulgence and sensual pleasures, lust, usually intense and unbridled, unbridled, that's the word, unbridled sexual desire, drunkenness, given to habitual excessive use of alcohol, no control, just whatever the feeling, wherever the feeling takes us. Orgies, excessive indulgence, self-indulgence in something especially to satisfy um, inordinate appetites or cravings, whatever, whatever's there. First uh, Thessalonians says, 4.8 4, says, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. That's a word, guys. That's a word for us as Christians, self-control. If we belong to the day, meaning we belong to Jesus, we are to be self-controlled, not out of control. Not controlled by the fad. Not controlled by whatever's trending. Not, not controlled by the things of this world, but, but controlled by setting our minds on Christ. Setting on his will and his ways. Self-control. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you, ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here's a practical way for us to walk in obedience, to walk away from sin. He gives it to, to I think that's Peter, sorry. I think that's Peter that Jesus is talking to in that moment when he is about to go to the cross and he's in the garden praying. And he says, hey, guys, sit, stay here and pray. At least you fall into temptation. You want to walk in holiness and righteousness? Start your day surrendering to God. Surrendering to the mindset of suffering. What is, our, what, what is the prayer? The Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation. Guys, I don't know if y'all thought about that. Do y'all pray that enough? Have we prayed that specific part of that prayer enough? The enemy loves for us to just kind of blow over that part of the prayer. You know why? We say, I got this. I see what he doesn't want me to do. I just won't do it. No, the model prayer says, pray that you would not be tempted and fall into temptation. 
That's the model prayer. We have to pray this prayer. We have to pray prayers like that on a daily basis, on a morning, morning by morning by morning, that we would walk in holiness and righteousness in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, in the midst of things coming our way. We're going to have to pray that prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Matthew 6, 13. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 4. They are surprised. Y'all hear that? They are surprised. Why wouldn't they be surprised? That you don't join them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. First of all, they're surprised. The one that has not made Jesus Lord and Savior will not be able to comprehend the logic toward denying flesh. Like, what? That's what you want? Do it. They don't understand that logic, and you don't need to, like, make them understand it. They are surprised that you don't just take what your flesh wants in that moment. Guys, there's no other way. There's no other way but us to walk in holiness to show unbelievers who we are. We will not walk in the same sin as them and communicate a God that is holy, a God that is righteous, a God that is able to change lives if we're walking in the same ways as them. The one that has not surrendered their lives to God and his will will be surprised that you don't join them in their reckless and wild living, uncontrolled, unbridled, carousing, wild living. Why are you not coming to the party? Why are you not doing this? Everybody's doing it. They're, they're, they're just, they're, their minds can't even comprehend it. They are surprised and they will find ways to abuse you because you don't follow the flesh but live to do the will of God. I mean, it says it right there. It says they're surprised that you do not join them in their reckless while living. They heap abuse on you. First Peter, uh, Peter is saying to them, like, so we see that these people are actually being abused. They're actually, I mean, he made it clear. They are, they're heaping abuse on them because of their righteous living. They're heaping abuse. You can see that this is a blatant attack on them and work, and uh, they work hard to hurt those who are seeking to live for God. But they would have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. A couple weeks ago, we talked about God's triumphal victory lap. He went someplace. He went someplace and told and proclaimed to demons 
that he had the victory, that he had won. And this is the proclamation that we make. This is the proclamation that we make when we fight sin. This is the proclamation when we give an answer for the hope that we have. When we're baptized, a couple weeks ago we talked about baptism and then uh, being uh, the resurrection, being a proclamation of victory over sin and death. Guys, those who are heaping abuse on you, they will be judged and they will have to face judgment in that, in that, on that day. We will walk into victory on the last day into judgment. They will walk still with the wrath of God on them. You don't want that for them. We don't want that for them. But understand that that is the reality. We win. I know you say, but this hurts now. Our hope is to be in Christ. Our hope is to be in his victory over sin and death. I say it again, guys. The person on the other side, whether they're in heaven or hell, the person on the other side, their greatest call to you, their greatest shout, warning to you, is to repent and to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If, if you could hear them cry, yelling, that's what they're yelling. I know you got all kind of stuff going, Eric, but repent and know Jesus Christ. <laughs> repent and know him and live for him. Because there's not only salvation, but there's mansions up here. <laughs> there's crowns, there's jewels here. And it's not to be compared to anything on this earth, no matter if you suffered or not. There's nothing to be compared to what I'm seeing. You may be in that place where, where you have confessed Jesus, but your relationship has, has distanced because of sin. It makes you numb, like numb to to. to to the environment and the world because it's always coming at us through the TV, through social media, at work, billboards. It's always coming at us. And so we don't even know that we're, we're, we're sitting in it. We're dying slowly. We can't even see Christ because of sin. First, Peter has said, you were called to be holy and righteous. You were called to be a people that proclaims him in the way you live, in the way you act in the midst of suffering. And then there's you that has never proclaimed Christ before. Don't let this day pass you by. If you have heard the voice of God this morning, if you've heard him call to you to repent and to be saved, do not leave here. Do not leave here without calling on Jesus to save you. 
I know you want him to save you from your, 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 your current situation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a relationship. You want him to save you. I promise you, he, he does those things. And he wants to work in and through you. But ultimately, he wants to save you from hell. He wants to save you and bring him, him. He wants you to be brought close to him and to have a relationship with you. 